Welcome to the Caregiver's Toolbox, tools for everyday caregiving. We provide education and information on senior care topics. Here's your host, Ryan McGinnis. Well, greetings, everyone. It is Chris McClellan, the Bowtie Guy, for another episode of Healing Ties. And we're going to do something just a little bit uh, different today. I don't want to call it a a simulcast, but we're going to be doing a dual podcast today with a good friend, Ryan McEnough. How did I do with that last name, Ryan? You did amazing. Thank you. Ryan has a podcast called The Caregiver's Toolbox. And Ryan... we gotta introduce, like a lot of us in the caregiving world, we get, we know somebody, somebody knows a friend, and then we get connected, and that's kind of how you and I got connected through our mutual contact and friend uh, Elizabeth Miller, who does Happy Healthy Con- uh, Caregiver. Welcome. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, I reached out to uh, reached out to Miss Miller and said, "Hey, we should try to get together maybe once, maybe twice, three times, do some podcasts together." And that's when uh, I realized about the whole care network, and I was like, "Oh, wow, there are a lot of podcasts on this one." And that's how we got hooked up. Where I was like, "Hey, you really need to speak with Chris." And I like the whole bow tie guy um, thing. You know, there's there's something in life you need to stand out some way somehow. And uh, that mustache and that bow tie are certainly a good way to do so. So I, uh, I like it. I'm, I, I, I'm feeling my um, uh, marketing, <laughs> testing my marketing waters. But, I, you know, the bow tie guy has been something that, um, I don't know, I, I coined that a few years ago. I, in fact, here's some information, useless information for you. I started wearing bow ties when on my 40th birthday. So that would be 21 years ago. I know my older sisters are going to hate me saying that, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> and I haven't worn a, I haven't worn a straight tie since. Now, some people would take that and look in at another area, but we're just we're just having fun with it. <laughs> so, so what 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 um was the what? Well, I'm going to ask the question. I guess what was the catalyst that went from the the the, the kind of more. Um, traditional tie to the bow tie that had, you know, kind of fallen out of fashionable favor over the last hundred years, unless you're going to a black tie event. There you go. Well, I think it was, it was two things. My father always wore bow ties, so I'd always been attracted to them. But when I was 40 years old, I weighed almost 300 pounds. And I was finding a lot of uh, food stains on my tie. (laughs) (laughs) So I went to the bow tie and uh, took off all the weight as well. And I've never, in fact, I don't even think I own a straight tie anymore. I took, I took some of those straight ties and had them made into bow ties. So, oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. So that, that's how I've become the bow tie guy. So when, when social media started, that's, that was my tagline. And, yeah, because people don't remember you. They, they, it takes probably 50 times for somebody to remember your name. And, and your name is kind of a standard Irish name that can be kind of mixed up with hundreds, if not thousands, of other types of names. But everybody's going to just easily remember the bow tie guy. I remember that bow tie guy. It was fun. I was at an event uh, yesterday in uh, Tampa, the Caregiver Accelerator Program. And... Uh, uh, a fellow who I've been, we've been Facebook friends for years, Peter Rosenberger. He's he, uh, had a terrific um, uh, caregiving show. He's a caregiver advocate for over 30 years. 
and we had never met and uh, in person and we we seemed to arrive at the right time he looked right at me he says the bow tie guy i've been looking forward to meeting you so <laughs> luckily yeah. no other bow tie guy there but uh, <laughs> no and i agree because i i was always you know people would come up to me especially when i had hair i had red, a bright red hair and they would be like I'm going to name you Big Red, and I'd be like, wow, you're the first person ever. You're the six-foot-six guy that can lift a car over his head that has red hair, like crazy, crazy way to come up with that name. But everybody, even people in college, they probably didn't even know my real name because everybody just knew you about as the big, tall, red guy that everybody called Big Red. So I, and and whenever I go into places, people still remember that. Oh, hey, Red, even though I have no hair, my face turns bright red, and I get red. You can see me right now. I'm redder than a tomato sometimes so um you know it's it's funny how those things stick on you and they, they they make the marketing a little bit more easier never a dull moment well you know it's it's what what's great about having conversations like this ryan is that uh, without you know really knowing each other we do know each other because we've been in this caregiving we've been in this caregiving sphere and we all can relate to our stories, whether or not you have a bow tie on or not. And Absolutely. You're, uh, I, I'd certainly like you to go first and tell our listeners uh, uh, about your story and how you got into uh, the field of caregiving, especially your uh, home health care. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I find a lot of people that get involved in senior care and healthcare in general generally have a story. Um, basically, mine was I, I grew up in basically five miles from where I'm sitting in Concord, Mass. Um, my parents, like many, uh, as they so eloquently call us, mass holes, um, moved on down to Florida where you're located. They moved uh, about an hour and a half north of where you're at in uh, a place called Beverly Hills, uh, Florida, which is nothing like the Beverly Hills of California. And uh, I moved out to Colorado to snowboard and, uh, you know, grass is always greener. Check out the world. And um, my mom, unfortunately, was a heavy smoker. And that caught up to her very early. Um, and we got a call that she had had a seizure. Um, and it was really more of a situation of... Uh, where the cancer wasn't than where it was. It was everywhere. Um, she was stage four. So basically, I packed up my things, rented out my condo, and I moved to Florida to be with her because I'm an only child. My my dad and my mom are, are fortunately still married, but they needed all the support they could, they could get. And I moved down there to, to basically spend the last, what we thought was eight months to 12 months with my mom, but it ended up only being about three or four months. Um, and, you know, we, we needed 24-hour home care we eventually needed hospice and um as i kind of said off air to you it's just that regardless of if you're a caregiver for a week or for a, a year one thing you all experience is that fire hose of information that gets just shot at you where you're trying to figure out well what is all these different resources and what happens and you know in our industry and in our our professions you find that a lot of people don't um plan and my parents were the norm you know they didn't plan they were they it was something they didn't uh, think about would happen when one of them was 64 years old. So um, I'm trying to make a long story short um, during that, that, that phase of my mom uh, being sick is when my aunt was involved and family was involved and she owned uh, minute women home care, which she had been looking for uh, somebody to buy it 
for for years. And um, I said, let me let me take a crack at it for six months. If I like it, we'll figure out a payment plan. And I loved owning it. I love owning a business. I love caring for people and helping people. Uh, we have a wall of thank you cards. That's always nice when you're frustrated and ripping out the final hair out of your head because you're frustrated with a caregiver. You can go over the wall and remember why you're doing this. Um, yes. You know, but um, and and that's how I got involved in private home care. I never thought in a million years I'd be doing um, private home care. I, there wasn't anything I had ever thought about. But sometimes, you know, like one of the things I say, my mom's last gift was uh, to be able to let me buy a business because I always wanted to be a business owner. I always hated people telling me what to do. So this this profession works out quite well. <laughs> my listeners have have always heard me say this, but. Um... I think I know the answer to this question with you is, have you ever met anybody that had caregiving on their bucket list of things that they want to do in life? Yeah, that would, that's never a thing that's on the bucket list of things you want to do no. because it's obviously with a, a, a generally a very close family member and you're, you're dealing with them at their most vulnerable time of their life when uh, you know they're in major need and ideally you're in a position where you can help them bounce back. But in a lot of times you're dealing with a, a disease, uh, in, in this case it was cancer, that you know that there's going to be no good outcome and it's just to try to make the situation as um, tolerable as possible Um, but I don't regret being there I quit my job and it was great to go down there and 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 be with my mom and I know she was absolutely thrilled that that I was there to be able to help her out because a lot go ahead and and that's I think that's what binds all of us together as caregivers even though we 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 all have these caregiving stories and and caregivers connect to the stories, and we have this innate ability to understand each other, even though our journey is just a, a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to not have kids. Um, I was I was relatively young. I was 28 years old when this all happened. So you were st- I was still very nimble enough to be able to say, hey, you know what, I can up and quit my job and rent out my condo and just move. Um, versus, you know, there are a lot of people out there, and I'm sure you experience it, where they want to be able to do that, but they have a wife and kids or a husband or a partner. They have commitments, regardless of what those are, that are keeping them where they can't just go move. Um, and they can't just, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, go to go and, and, and be a caregiver. So that's where private home care and, and some of the other things come, uh, come along in helping people. And I'd be interested to know, you know, from my experience, it was always hard to accept help. But help is so important when you're in the midst of caregiving. And that's what you provide. Yeah, we we certainly see that. and, and and my parent with my mom, I think she knew that she needed help. Um, she knew that this was this was very serious. That there was no uh, hope in this this situation, and that we were going to need help. So that wasn't much of a a fight. But we certainly see all the time with with older adults. Usually the 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 people that are usually it's the daughters that are calling us. Um, they've been stretched thin. Um, they're stressed out of their minds and they need help and they're trying to convince their parent to accept that help, even though the parent might have, you know, not have safety awareness and doesn't think they need it or is fighting it tooth and nail or by accepting help, that's admitting that they're getting older and they're no longer, uh, uh, you know, um, invincible, if you will. Mm -hmm. So, 
we see that a lot with a lot of our clients that the older adult just doesn't think they need help unless the situation is dire enough where, you know, they're on hospice or they know that they have a terminal disease. Then, you know, the, the reality of, of what's happening sets in a little bit quicker. Well, everybody wants to have their independence for as long as they possibly can. But finding that balance between independence and safety for both uh, the caregiver and the care and the care recipient that's a it's a delicate balance especially as as you well know when it's a family member yeah absolutely and it's it's tough and it's it's already a stressful situation as it is because you're watching you know a family member decline and you're scared that this decline isn't going to stop but you need help because you have so many other responsibilities, including your own children. Um, you know, that's the, the big one is, is, you know, work is important without a doubt. But, you know, usually these families have other children involved that are, that are young enough that they can't just leave them at home every single night and care for somebody. To, and that's, and, you know, that's a parent's responsibility. Your number one responsibility is to your kids. And, and then secondly, it's responsibility might be to your, to your, your significant other, your spouse, and then it's your parents. So, you know, the parents aren't always number one on the list of things and in, in the whole hierarchy of who you're supposed to care for um, right. initially. But, you know, every culture is different and everybody's different. But nowadays, everybody's working two jobs. They have the 2.3 kids. They have a house that's, you know, I'll, I'm, I'm in Lexington just to buy a house in Lexington's a million bucks. I mean, you got, you got a lot of responsibilities and mortgages to pay, and then you got to figure out how you're going to care for an older adult. So um, it's a situation that obviously you have a whole website dedicated to all the difficulties of that and the intricacies of that and the different, um, the different uh, strategies, problems, hurdles that you have to go over. Um, ours is, ours is one of many different options that people have of being able to hire somebody to come in the home for a few hours a day or up to 24 hours a day. I know it's a, it, it, first of all, I appreciate you saying that about the, about the whole care network and the website. You know, what we try to do is, is uh, share stories. Uh, I, I personally believe that it's through story sharing where diversity meets the road to combat a common cause, and that common cause is, is caregiving. We, we connect the stories, and, and usually within a story, there's a resource or a referral that a caregiver can have. Just, you know, for instance, uh, and, uh, us chatting today, uh, I would imagine, at least I would hope so, that some of our listeners would be who are on the fence about having help in the home would feel a little bit more comfortable by knowing that there's somebody like you that, um, that's been a caregiver, that's giving back to the caregiving community through, you know, having a home health care business like this, because you, you've been in the trenches, you understand it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that happened to me um, is, you know, we had good caregivers, we had lazy caregivers, we were getting around-the-clock care. So when you're doing a lot around-the-clock care, you have eight to nine caregivers in your house every week because you can't go over to overtime or you, most people don't want to. Um, and and so you, you get your, you know, you get your A's, your B's, and your C's. Um, and, you know, you have to call up the the, the, the 24-hour agency or whatever and say, hey, you know what, I uh, we don't want this C caregiver anymore. We want to try to find somebody else. Now, when after my mom passed away, um, we found out that um, her 
her and my dad's 401k was trying to be accessed. Um, and it wasn't for me. It wasn't for my dad because he had access to it. And my mom was obviously gone by then. So the only other people in the house regularly were caregivers. Now, do we know for sure it was a caregiver? No, we don't. But those are those types of experiences that you see some of the good. You see a lot of good. You see an experience a little bad. And then when I took over this company, I wanted to be as honest and, and say, hey, listen, you know, just because my caregivers are background checked nationally and all these different things doesn't mean that you just leave $1,000 sitting on the, the, the table and there's no guarantees in life who's going to be honest and who's not. So, you know, we try to talk to people when, when somebody's entering their home, make sure that those valuables are locked up, make sure those things are the, the, that information um, that is really important and is sensitive is put into a $50 lockbox that you can buy at Walmart um, that will save those, those diamond earrings that will go missing or could go missing, um, you know, lock them up and then you know that they're not, they're not going to, to go away. And, and hopefully your loved one understands that it's still available, but they're just not in the same place. So that's like a small experience that I took from, from with me that I tell all of my clients and I hope I don't scare them to death, but at the same time, it's, better to be proactive than reactive. And that's, uh, boy, did you say it right there? And, and that's really as it relates to caregiving, the whole caregiving sphere. It's if we could be proactive instead of reactive, uh, have somewhat of a plan in place, uh, especially as it relates to a, a conversation that a lot of us find difficult to have is that advanced directives, you know, what kind of care do you, would you like to have? You know, being being proactive about some of these difficult conversations makes uh, or in a already stressful situation just a little less stressful because you're able to act from a plan. Yeah, absolutely. And you're like we, I don't know what you recommend down there if you have, but I've always liked the five wishes. Um, Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something, it's something that's maybe what it takes an hour, hour out of your day to do that whole thing. Um, and you know, we've, we've seen it. I'm sure you've seen it, um, where you have, uh, situations where, you know, maybe, uh, family members that weren't as close all of a sudden roll in at the last minute and start saying, mom didn't want it that way. Or my sister didn't want it that way. And it's like, no, we spent an hour to get this five wishes done. And this is exactly what she wanted. We all signed on on, off of it. I'm the, you know, uh, I'm the power of attorney or I have um, the, the, I can't think of the word, the executive privilege or the uh, healthcare proxy is what I was thinking. And this is how it's going to go. And if you don't like it, you know, that's not my problem. This is what mom wanted. And that, that makes life a lot easier where we've had as a home care company, you know, we've seen some of these horror stories with families where they start, you know, squawking at each other and you're like, guys, we got to step away. You need to figure this out. Then you can call us up and we can try to, to try to help out at this point. We, uh, we, we have a, a show host on the network. Uh, her name is Amanda Singleton. And I'd love to introduce you to Amanda. She is, uh, she's known as the caregiver lawyer. Yep. And she has quite the, uh, quite the story about she had been a trial attorney the majority of her career and she got a call one day that her mother was sick and uh, long story short even as an attorney you know her mother hadn't had all the documents set in place yeah and 
uh, of course, being an attorney, she was able to, I, I, I say this word kindly, work the system. She knew how to work the system. Sure. But she has, from that experience, she has changed her entire practice. And now she, her practice is solely dedicated to caregivers and making sure that caregivers have all the proper documents and in order. Uh, because this, and this is a line from one of our podcasts where there's a will, there's a relative. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but firstly, I say that, you know, in, in jest, but, uh, but when you have the documents in order and you can produce them at the time of a, I'll say question instead of a controversy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they do, they, they, they do help, but there's so many people, um, that don't have these documents in place. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it, we, we, you know, we, we can go down a rabbit hole if we want a little bit, but like we, we obviously all hear about the amount of debt this country's in and the number one thing about that is healthcare, right? It's right. Medicare, it's medic Medicaid. Well, one of the things that it causes a massive uh, money suck is when somebody doesn't have health directives, well, the hospital has to keep them alive. So that can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars very quickly that, you know, that maybe that person would have said, Hey, you know what? Dear army, like get let's get this train out of here. I'm, I'm, but they didn't have the proper documents, or the families didn't know. So the hospitals have to do what by by law, I believe. What they is is they got to keep them alive as long as possible, even if they they didn't like it because they can't prove it. So that, I mean, there's an example of somebody not getting the wishes that they want. It costs a lot of money, and um, it puts the family under stress. So we just have a couple of minutes left in uh, today's podcast, but uh, Brian, I, I would really like to do a series with you. I think um, uh, I think it would be terrific to come up with uh, a number of topics that are applicable to caregivers, and especially as it relates to selecting home health care and how how you go about how you how you go about selecting the right home health care business. Yeah. We can because it's important. It's an important. Uh, it's an important process, and I, and you're somebody that uh, you know. You're providing the ser the service, and and I would think that even even just within your area, uh, you know, we could we could certainly help people make better and informed decisions. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always happy to do that. I mean, I would recommend to anybody out there listening, just give a call to a private agency and ask some questions. Just say, hey, listen, I'm at the beginning start of this. I'm probably not going to sign a contract any set time soon, but I need to get my, my ducks in a row here. And I think you'll find that if, if uh, agency's more than happy to speak with you, that's a, that's a good start right there. Uh, the whole reason I started my podcast and, and started doing this, the blogs and all that stuff, was because I was blown away by how few people had a plan or were not knowledgeable about it. So I figured, well, hey, the Internet's the, 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 the greatest revolution we've seen in the last 20, 30 years, so let's try it for information. Let's try to get that information out there so people can, can learn. So, you know, but since this is going to be on my podcast as well, if we can maybe run over by a few minutes, I want my listeners to know what is all about Whole Care Network, why they should check it out, what your mission is, and um, kind of go through on what WCN is. Well, I appreciate that, Ryan, and and we can go as long as we want today because we're in charge. But there we go. <laughs> but uh, the Whole Care Network is uh, is actually. Um, uh, a result of my caregiving experience, uh, you know, the, in this vast uh, network of 
of caregiving? Uh, where do you find your niche? Uh, my professional background has been in social work and, and ministry, especially as it relates to uh, crisis counseling and information and referral. And as I look from my vast, uh, th- these vast network of caregivers, it, it's about, to, for me, it's about sharing stories and experiences. People connect to stories. And, and what we're doing on the Whole Care Network is, is bringing uh, podcasters together who have a, have a story to share, uh, a resource to provide. And, you know, with that, we hope to build a, you know, build a network that, that uh, where, where caregivers can come, pick out a show host or a, a show that they, they enjoy listening to, find the resources they need to get through their caregiving day, and be a part of the community. We're, we're just approaching our one-year anniversary uh, with the Whole Care Network. Uh, I've, uh, I started podcasting in 2012 after my partner was diagnosed with esophageal cancer. And uh, we, were, we were fortunate to have our story told by the uh, South Florida Sun Sentinel uh, in Sickness and Health, A Couple's Final Journey. That, uh, that story was uh, nominated for a Pulitzer Prize in 2015. And that really propelled me into this, uh, into this area of, of, uh, of caregiving, of sharing the story. Uh, the story is still available online. I encourage all your listeners to, to take a look at it. Uh, the, the, the unique thing about the story, why it was so successful, is that uh, it, it really talked about love, care, and commitment. And, and I think any caregiver, no matter if you're black or white, gay or straight, uh, whatever culture you come from, it, it all comes down to love, care, and commitment. And we want to be able to do that as best as we can. So I... I'm fortunate to be able to visit with you and share this little bit of tidbit of story that, you know, from my journey. But uh, I, I also believe that we're in a, in a strange way, we're all in this journey together because uh, goodness, caregivers are the backbone of the healthcare, uh, healthcare in America. And without folks like you and caregivers, you know, we'd be all lost. And, uh, uh, that's why it's, you know, for me, coming, coming full throttle four years after caregiving has ended, being able to, to share the story. I, I certainly hope that if I touch one person through our story, then I know that I've, uh, I've done some good. No, absolutely. And I mean, you, I've, I've read that, that, uh, that piece or that story with you and your partner. And, uh, um, it certainly was, it, it hit many different levels on how difficult it is to be a, uh, a caregiver, but it certainly, um, is worth the read. It's, uh, certainly, uh, um, sad and it's, uh, happy all wrapped into one, you know, there's the, 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 the peaks and valleys of any relationship. Uh, and it, it certainly speaks to that quite well, but also to check out, um, one of the things when I was checking out the, the whole care network is just the, the sh- sheer amount of content that you have, um, for people. And, you know, I do, I do all the content myself, whether it's the podcast, I do some videos, um, I do some blogging. Um, I don't, I think I'm more jack of all trades, master of none. I don't think I do any really good, but that's another, uh, another area we connect in. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, I'm sure people can go through my blogs and find plenty of grammatical errors. There's no doubt. And I even proofread them, too, which is the worst part. But anyways, the, the point I'm getting to is that when you see the amount of shows that you have just on the broadcasting side, um, 
you know, maybe you're not interested in the caregiver's toolbox from my perspective of how I view an industry. Maybe somebody doesn't find that interesting. That's okay. Um, but you have 15 different shows um, or broadcasts that somebody out there who's interested in, in caregiving is going to find something ideally that they're going to resonate with. I appreciate that. And, and that's what we're trying to do. And we'd love to have uh, the caregiving toolbox on the whole care network. As We've well. talked about this. I know. <laughs> but uh, no, and it, it is about, uh, you know, having a, having a voice and let's face it, not everybody's going to connect to everybody's story. Uh, but uh, just like in caregiving, four eyes are better than two, six eyes are better than four. The more people you have involved, the more people that you can reach. And that's uh, that's really our goal with the whole care network. No, and it makes sense. It, it definitely does. So um, I definitely think people should check that out. Just type in whole care network and you'll be able to, to see your broadcast. And then I'm sure if, if you go to your podcast, which is healing ties, I'm healing sure there's ties. a link. I'm sure there's a link somewhere in there to your caregiving story that um, we were talking about as well. Uh, actually, there's a couple of ways to find the story. You will see it on the healing ties, but uh, as you, as you um, access the whole care network, you'll see the about section. Just look for uh, my name, Christopher McClellan, and that'll have a link to the story as well. And uh, you'll hear, see a little bit more of my journey where I, I started blogging on a website that's still active called the purple jacket. Um, that's another part of the, the weight loss weight story. Cause I, I do have a purple jacket, but haven't been able to fit into it because of my, I, I blame the caregiving thing on it, <laughs> <laughs> the caregiving stress. But uh, that's kind of how I started with all the content. And now we're moved over to the whole care network. And we, we want to care about, we want to care. We want to care for the whole person. And that's what, because uh, caregiving impacts the whole person. Yep, and the whole family and, and a lot of people. So, yep. excellent. Yeah, no, I think it's good, and I think people should check that out. Um, and and definitely, uh, there's just a time. It's not just the broadcasting. You have the blogs. You have you have a lot of different stuff on there. So that's a lot that's of stuff going. And uh, you know, I'm amazed that just our, be our first year anniversary in November. Uh, what's what's transpired with very little social media. Uh, but, um, uh, it's my passion and that's, uh, uh, I, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate you sharing with your listeners and I appreciate your interest in being a part of the network. Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll definitely go offline and talk about some ways that we can collaborate, um, in the near future. And certainly we can have our discussions about WCN, but, um, I think it's good. You seem like a great guy and I'm glad that there's another kind of uh, representative out there that's trying to, you know, educate people at, hey, listen, death and taxes, they're both guaranteed. How about we prepare for not just one of them, but for both of them? Like, we're gonna, we're all going to go through this process in some way, so we might as well be proactive about it. But easier said than done, I know. <laughs> and you know, when you, when, when you have two Macs on one show, the Macs have it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm surprised we haven't yelled at each other yet with that Irish, <laughs> Irish temper that we have, right? Uh, that <laughs> I'm going to go leave and drink a beer and have an Irish breakfast. I hope you have a good one there. Bangers, bangers and mash for, for lunch. So. Absolutely, there we go. Oh, this has been terrific, Ryan. Thank you. Excellent. Well, thank you for having me, and we'll, we'll definitely collaborate in the future. 